0: G'day, punters. We're back for another week on Tongue Tide. Uh, we're episode two now for the new year with my good mate, as always, Brody Nixon from Sky Racing. Brody, how are you, mate? G'day, mate. G'day, Lloydie. G'day, everyone. G'day, g'day, g'day. Mate, uh, I suppose uh, the autumn, we're really starting to to get into it now, aren't we? We had the, the Widden and the Canonbury last weekend. Um, King's Gambit, he had his Colors lowered by red resistance and and learning to fly, mate. She's uh she's taken over favoritism for the golden slipper off her uh off a pretty impressive win I thought in the Canterbury. Uh, how did you see or how did you find last weekend in the racing, mate?
1: Not as good as you did. I didn't take the fifty dollars for learning to fly in the golden slipper, unlike you did. So full trumpets to you. I took her in the blue diamond at fifty to one and. After that win, I was walking around with my chest out. I thought, you beauty, here we're going to go. And as soon as they said, going English Millennium into the slipper, I nearly fell over. But um, she was outstanding. She was tough. She was brave. Still, City's going to the Diamond now. And that horse is now, I think, second line of betting about $6 behind Barber. So looks like none of the Snowden Colts are going to Melbourne. As mentioned, their red resistance lowered the colours of King's Gambit. But... Resistance was good, but Kings Gambit—you couldn't expect the horse to do much more following an only fair parade at best, and also a one-soft trial. So he's lost no respect of mine. I think he's going to be very hard to beat come Grand Final day.
0: Yeah, well, you were at—you uh, were at Rose Hill. Were they at Rose Hill or Randwick? They were at Rose, Rose Hill. Hill. They were at Rose Hill. Um, you were there on Saturday, and you sort of—he sent me a photo of Kings Gambit as he walked into the yard, and then pretty much followed that up with he looks uh he looks like he needs the run today and the, uh he was nowhere near near wound up so that sort of deflated my confidence a little bit before the the race even jumped and then when he did get beaten it was kind of i mean hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it like we talk about these sort of betting propositions and short price favorites especially as two year olds but in hindsight a dollar thirty was probably rock bottom um for a horse like that, especially, like, we've seen it time and time again. He only had the one trial. Red Resistance had the had the run under his belt. He was going to be a tough, up-on-pace uh, two-year-old and proved out to be the winning formula to, to get the job done over the hot pot. But, uh, mate, we've got the Lonroe played in Sydney this weekend. We've got the Chairman's down in Melbourne. There's plenty of two-year-old racing. It's uh, an exciting time of year for these young horses. It's an absolutely
1: brilliant time of year. And the good thing is all these horses are going to put their hands up. And with Black Opal down in Canberra coming up very soon, all these feature racing in both states, there's going to be horses putting their hands up everywhere. I can guarantee you learning to fly, she won't be the only favourite for the slipper we have. Every single week we have a new favourite. Something will come out, maybe BC might come out and win dominantly in Melbourne, go to the Blue Diamond. All of a sudden it'll find itself in single figures for the slipper as well. So this market's ever-changing, I think, if you play the patient game with the two-year-olds, you should win most of the time.
0: I might put you on the spot, mate. Um, we, what are we? We're about a little over over a month, I think, maybe six weeks until the Golden Slipper. Um, in one one name, who starts favourite? King's Gambit. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he comes back and makes us makes a statement in the Todman. If that's the just way before we
1: get into it, Lloydy, Um very quickly, this is a very key thing because I've covered a lot of the trials at work and it's something you never quite become an ex- expert at, as per se, you never become perfect. You always get horses wrong, you get profiles wrong, but the biggest thing, we saw a couple of resuming horses in the last few weeks, Lloyd has mentioned, Jack and O had a couple of trials, the tongue tie went on, that horse was ready to play, learning to fly two trials, giving a solid hit out, that horse was ready to play. The couple of weeks before that, Red resistance, given two trials, ready to play. King's Gambit before his debut in Melbourne, two trials, ready to play. He had one really, really soft trial leading into the weekend. He was never going to be as fit. His grand final is well away, so we couldn't expect that horse to run to his peak. And you copy and paste it for Golden Mile. Soft 740-metre trial, grand final a few months away. So with these horses, especially when they're coming back, they're going to be the far superior animals in the long run. But on that day, they're not going to be at their peak. So it's a really big learning curve off the trials, I think, last Saturday. Don't drop off the horses. But when you go into taking those shorts especially, their profile is so important.
0: Yeah, 100%, mate. I think uh, I know uh, Blake certainly um, proved that sort of point on the weekend as well, taking on Golden Mile and Forbidden Forbidden Love in the uh, in the expressway. He tipped Maria Mir. She was a fit horse. She had already had that good win under her belt and she um well it, it proved to to come true I guess when she, she just found the front and she, she kicked away. She's a really nice uh a nice mare who Joseph Pride he just gets these tried horses and and turns them around a lot like Tony Golan does up here in Queensland. But mate uh this weekend well this episode we'll we'll talk we'll reflect on one of our favourites who um he's he's hung the Hung the horseshoes up, the saddlecloth no more. So uh, Hitotsu, during the week we heard that he um, he won't be seen at the racetrack again. But um, for those of you that I suppose don't know Brody or myself that do listen, which I'd imagine would be most of you, uh, Hitotsu was a horse that we, um, we both sort of spotted very, very early on in its career. There's a little bit of, I suppose, I don't know what the what the right word is for it, but it, it felt like we owned him at one point. Of course, he was with Wendy Kelly and after his debut in the Blue Diamond uh pro U, Brody messaged me and just said, Oh, I think there might be a a decent horse there that's that's done absolutely nothing, but uh, we can follow it. And we both sort of fell in love with Hitotsu from that. He didn't win his in either of his first uh three starts, went to Donald for a Donald maiden on a Sunday and, and put them to the sword as a dollar twenty five shot and we both went to the, the TAB or you know found the futures markets after that to to back him in futures markets. He was a hundred to one in both the Caulfield Guineas and the VRC Derby. Both of us smart enough to only back him in the uh, in the Corfield Guineas where he ran a pretty good fifth behind Anemo and of course started a heavily backed four dollars favourite in the uh, in the Derby three weeks later when we could have had a hundred to one ticket, but neither of us had a cent on mate. Uh, he goes out a three time Group One winner. He was, a, he was a pretty special horse, wasn't
1: he? Mate, he was an absolute freak. I remember that night. I think I'd just moved down to Sydney. I'd finished the Sky 2 night shift. I um bit of homesickness, feeling a bit by myself. I didn't even own a couch at that stage at home. We just had the TV on the floor and stuff. And I was sitting there eating dinner in my undies. And I um, I remember we were, we were on a call together. I, was, I just had the replays of um, when Racing.com rolled their replays throughout the night of Caulfield and we watched this replay of the um the prelude or the preview of the Guineas or the Diamond, sorry. We saw I saw this thing hit the line. I said, Did you see that? And you go you go, Yeah, I thought I saw it earlier today as well. We started chatting about this horse and we started following it. We looked at its sectionals when it hit the line and we fell in love with it from then. We um we had a very good crack in the two year old size there at Flemington. He was absolutely lucky, went out for a break and we I think we both hopped on social media and declared he'd be a very good horse and went up a dollar thirty at Donald won well, then just Mar and Eustace went to work with a freak stayer, a freak set of trainers I don't, did he lose another race he
0: won the Dar, he ran no, he, in the Guineas, then he last, won the Derby won the Australian yeah. Guineas, then won the Australian Derby didn't he yep his last three races were all group ones and he won them all um I can I can not proudly because I'm almost ashamed of it after the spruik that we um both had on him early, but I can confidently say that after backing him. In his first probably five starts, I have not had a single cent on him in either three group one wins um, and bet against him in all three times. But um, those Japanese horses, mate, obviously he, he raced all his, all his career here in Australia, but by Maurice, um, it's, it's an exciting time, I think, because there's a lot of uh, good Japanese bred horses getting around and he's going to be one of them. And hopefully we see his progeny uh, on the track in the not too distant future.
1: I'll tell you what, though, those Maurice has been good to you because you're one of your biggest fans during the autumn last year and into the winter was Mazu and just Maurice showing his versatility. You've got one of Australia's best sprinters and then probably Australia's best emerging young stayer. So it does leave a bit of a gap at the top now heading towards the Caulfield Cup, especially with the, um, the retirement of another one of our favourite four-year-old mares now, um, the Queenslander. She's now gone. Name skips to the top of my head at the moment. Gypsy,
0: gypsy, gypsy got Goddess. it. Goddess.
1: Yeah, oh. she's retired, which is demoralising for us. We sat here a couple of months ago, going on non-stop about how big of an autumn and a spring she was in
0: for. So it's been a disappointing few weeks. It has, mate. Uh, she's obviously well. She's another one. She could very well have a date with a too. She's off to Japan uh, to a stallion farm um, up there where she'll she'll serve alongside. I think I, I think I read that she's in a in a paddock with Yankee Rose who. David Van Dyke, of course, used to train as well. I'm fairly sure she won a she won a spring champion from memory. So similar type of horse to what Gypsy Goddess, and they're they're up there at uh, in Hokkaido in Japan, living the life. But uh, mate, you mentioned the Caulfield Cup could have a little bit of a, a hole left in it. Um, last year's Caulfield Cup winner, Durston, uh, he trialed on Monday there at uh, at Warwick Farm in what was a a hot, hot trial taken out by Nature Strip. We had the Golden Slipper winner and the Size winner in Fireburn run second. Riadini, of course, he was up and about in the spring in those sort of provincial mile races like the Gong and the Hunter. Zaki ran fourth, September run, Private Eye, Durston in secret and hope in your heart. It was a it was a stellar trial field. Nature Strip, of course, as sort of expected, he got the job done and, and won the trial. But, mate, uh, any horses out the back? There that sort of caught your eye or caught your fancy for a bit of a futures play. For me, I thought Durston was almost the pick of them in the trial.
1: He was outstanding, Durston. Um, he was terrific. Nature Strip's troll queried me up a lot. He never really trolls like that. He trolls fast. He rolls along, but he doesn't over race. He he was. He, I don't know about Nature Strip. This preparation. I might. You you take on these champions like he is, and you get bitten in the yeah. bum and kicked in the bum more often than not. But his trial's a bit interesting. I'm really keen to see how he goes in his next trial and first up. He's a big watch for me. But you're right, those trials behind what about Fireburn? We've chatting about her off air. she's a very lazy worker according to the stable, but you haven't seen a trial like that behind Major Strip since maybe Espiona last preparation and the boom went on massively yeah. for her. So yeah, it's a very, very, very strong book of trials in the last few weeks. Nature Strip, interested to see how he goes. But you're spot on, Durston. If you haven't seen the replay, I highly recommend it. And don't turn off the replay until about 200, 300 meters after the
0: line, because Durston just kept on surging. He did. Uh, it was a really good piece of work. Other horses on the morning that I thought were uh, that went well. Actually, he's he's not quite at that top level, but he's a he's a good, honest sort of mile, a mid-distance horse from the Godolphin Yard character. Um, I thought his trial was really good in trial too. And another horse that I'm really keen to see back at the races is the Annabelle Nation runner, Laws of Indices. Uh, you and I both had something small on him in the Stradbroke uh, up here in Queensland last year. He was good behind Tuvalu in the Turak. He was solid in the Cox plate. And then in that five diamonds, he was caught off the track from the wide alley and box on really game to run third. He then went to Hong Kong and I believe it was third behind uh, golden 60 and California Spangle. Uh, I might have them around the wrong way, but I'm pretty sure it was those two that ran one, two and he finished third there. And they obviously came and uh, just went really good in that big race over there on, on Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon. So I'm keen to see him back at the races. As to where they go with a horse like him, I'm, I'm not too sure. I'd imagine almost an all-star mile has to be uh, their aim, a Doncaster, um, no doubt on the cards again for Laws of Indices. But, uh, mate, it's, uh, I suppose these trials they are important um, at this time of year, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I think they're critical. But the biggest thing is um, trying to find these horses maybe that have improved um, and take him on maybe even with horses that you think might regress. Um, maybe a horse that's had a massive preparation and maybe they don't come back just as well as you thought and maybe other horses like Durstan who've gone out on a massive height and you can just keep on. I'm interested to see how Francesco Guardi comes back and yeah. you're going to really pile into those horses and back them with more confidence because you know that they've kept their level but some horses don't quite. But just having a look now, Nick, Tankridge Stakes, Thurston. I believe that's his grand final. We'll have to get on to Hawk who hopped on for the podcast last spring, we, just before Durston won the Corfield Cup. We might have to get the confirmation for, from Hawk, but $11 with a tag. We will be getting, we will be getting
0: Hawk, um, we, yeah, sorry to jump in. We will be getting Hawk back on here. I messaged him during the week and I said, what is the plan with Durston? Um, we want to get you back on the pod so you can you can tip him again. He said, Apollo, Chipping Norton, Sky High, Tancred. This is a uh, four-run prep. So we might try and get Hawk on maybe the week of the Tancred leading he's 11 11 for it with the tab in the futures i've taken that have you already i have you've been very sharp this last week nicholas i have a little bit of trumpet blowing but every you know when you you put the futures bets on and like it'll say down again in the bottom corner with with the blue and yellow mob anyway it'll say like you bet again like and what what its current price is i've currently got like three times better the price on every single futures bet that I've had. So I'm like, I'm either sitting on an absolute gold mine here. I'm going to be completely bit on the ass when none of these win. And I've taken $50 about something that starts seven and, and runs third or fourth. So um, I could have just put the mock on Durston, but I was really taken by his work in that trial. All
1: right, Mr. Trumpet man, come on, let everyone know on your biggest one yet, the Australian Guineas. You've, we're both perfect thought fanboys, but you've, you highlighted this horse to me after its debut. Not many punters missed it. It went around at Geelong. Mitchell Friedman trains it, um, and he hit the line really strongly on debut. You took triple figures. You even got the name requested in the tab market.
0: Yes, uh, Attrition in the, in the Australian Guineas um, got it requested on, um, I think it was Friday night. And my note was, can this please go in before Sunday? Because <laughs> um, it, it, was, it was an absolute moral at Geelong on Sunday. But yeah, it took 100, $101 there. I think it's uh, $13 with some places now for the Australian Guineas after a pretty impressive, impressive win at Geelong.
1: Well, I worked that afternoon and um, it was $51 on Saturday morning. It was $51 Sunday morning. Before the race was $34. After the race was fifteen it was $21. A couple of hours later, it was $15. And as you mentioned with some, it's now $13. So well found from you, Nick. And just chatting about those sort of races, I think this is where the trials come in really important is that you can have a lot of horses with a three-year-old form from the Guineas and stuff. The likes of Tijuana. I think Tijuana was good as an early three-year-old, but he doesn't look to have the upside that others do. The likes of Osepenko, um, Perfect Thought, and others who don't have that proper... Well, Osepenko does, but Perfect Thought who mainly had that provincial form. Before the Flemington Carnival, there's going to be some horses like him and Attrition who are going to go at double the rate improvement. Yeah. And I think you've found one there, Nick. Trumpets to you.
0: Fingers crossed, mate. Um, fingers crossed. Well, one that we talk about these trials being, you know, we get to see horses return and whatnot. But um, one person we're going to see return to Australian racing this weekend is. Um, is Tommy Marquand. He's got a couple of rides here at Sydney. We're, we're a big fan of... Uh... Tommy Marquand, or Aussie Tom, as we like to call him, pretty much everywhere in Australia, especially here at the leg up. I think uh I think Blake and Sam actually took him out for dinner when he was uh, when he was over here last time and on the Thursday, the week that he rode a date in the Queen Elizabeth. So I'll be um I'll be sticking my hand up to be at that dinner table if uh, it's on the card again this year. But mates, he's got a, he's got a couple of rides. I think he had four rides originally. Uh Zolfa car's been scratched and I believe Hardware Lane, who he was on in the last race um, on Saturday. I'm pretty sure I saw its name in at Albury today as well. So Aussie Tom could be left with just two rides on Saturday um, as I'm just bringing it up now. One of them, though, is Zoo Tiger in the feature, the Eskimo Prince Stakes for three-year-olds over 1,200 metres, set weights and penalties. Um, For those of you that just love leg-up podcasts, which I know... All of you probably do. You would have listened to the weigh-in already uh, with Blake and myself earlier in the week. Uh, Blake labelled Zoo Tiger as an early bet in the all-in market, so we would have taken six or six dollars or five dollars, whatever you could have got, depending on who you're with. He's been really well backed uh, since since markets went up. Af Cabin's been steady around that two dollar even money quote, uh, but Zoo Tiger certainly firming. And mate, we were we were talking as well before. Uh, before Blake and I did the did the weigh-in, you and I off, in our messages there and sort of having a look at that all in market. And we both sort of said at the, sent a message at the same time and said, oh Zoo Tiger at $6 is probably the bet there. Um, again, like we've been talking about these horses, like Maria Mia against uh, Golden Mile last week, Red Resistance against King's Gambit, it could be a similar similar situation here aft cabin clearly best horse in the race well maybe not clearly because you've got lot, horses like osapenko in there that you're um you've probably got photos all over your wall of osapenko even after he only ran third and then didn't push on into the spring champion which would have gutted you a little bit but uh it's the sort of setup that zoo tiger the 1200 meters roll along on speed had those trials he just could be he could be the horse of the day yeah, there's no speed in the race at all. Toronika's
1: is going to roll forward, but that horse is coming out of major rail bias at Canterbury uh, when breaking. It's made it into last start Kembla Grains. There's absolutely no speed in this race. App Cabin's probably going to roll forward, but Aussie Tom from gate seven is drawn inside App Cabin, so I think this horse is going to lead. I think it's going to lead a merry dance. It's one sole failure last preparation, game behind and Golden Miles was really poor that day. At Rosehill, I'm not too sure what happened. Then he ran a bottle. He ran third in the Golden Rose from gate 14, defeated length and a half by Jack and, o, and in secret, they're probably two of the best three-year-olds we have going around. Ran fourth on that occasion was Golden Mile. So Aussie Tom was chatting about this just beforehand when we did speak about that early market. It's probably one of the best bookings you can have. He's going to be so tough on top of this horse. He's going to be sending it to the front. And Aussie Tom, he rides so well in these autumn carnivals. He'll be going hard from the front. It's a ripping race. Every single one of these horses look to have a future. Um, I think Osepenko in the long run, I think he's going to be the best horse out of it, maybe alongside Af Cabin. They met a couple of runs ago at Caulfield when Af Cabin, that was before he pulled up with his bleeding issues. He won dominantly on that occasion Af Cabin, but Osepenko was well-backed, but that rain, it was that horrible day at Caulfield, so you can forgive that, but his trials have been outstanding. He comes through the same trial as Zoo Tiger. Zoo Tiger ran third, Af- Osipenko ran fifth. He probably could have run third as well, but he's going to be spotting Zoo Tiger a lead here. I think this is an absolute ripping race, and Af Cabin comes down and wins, we're not surprised.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. Af Cabin, for me, the biggest concern is he, he bled from both nostrils. Um, like I know a lot of people like they love that form references backing a bleeder resuming. Um, I'm not. It's not one of mine, but apparently it's a. Apparently it's a. a, a bit of form that people love um and they go well with so good luck if you're one of them but I can't have him um even money resuming when you've got races like the Randwick Guineas the Doncaster potentially even you know you you probably couldn't rule out a Queen Elizabeth for a horse like him who's a a nice three-year-old on the upper in a big race like that so um yeah for me Zoo Tiger hard to beat in the feature but mate uh we better get into our best bets of the of the weekend. Um, I'll let you go first because I believe the early listeners get a reward here, mate. We're going to a, a race of, on Friday on the, uh, the Kensington track.
1: Looking to land the money nice and early this weekend, Nick. Race number three, we have a twilight meeting on the Kenzo track tomorrow, Friday. And call D, $2.40 is a bet every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Um, its trials have been very quiet, but very, very strong. This Billy she was monstrous against a savage rail bias at Rose Hill on debut over the 1,200 metres. She drifted from about $4.80 to $13 in the last five minutes. That gives you an indication of how poorly she paraded. She was often a worse behaviour. That race is rated massively through the roof. She, As mentioned, she made massive ground down the outside. She ran third in the listed race, three old Phillies by a lot more love. To have Everest Day, we're standing next to each other. I carried on like a pelican because a lot more love was the best bet of the day there. So she got the cash in the first, which always makes those days a little bit better. But um, Paul D was monstrous. And from that day, the three-year-old daughter of Frankel, you thought, gee, she's going to be a player in the autumn. She was down to run at Kemble Grange on Tuesday, scratched from the wet track. She comes here to Randwick on Friday. And I think she's going to be extremely hard to beat. Gate number eight, she's just going to settle off midfield. It's going to suit her perfectly. Nash up for the Ryan Alexiou team. You know she's going to be forward coming from that stable. She's got by far the best form lines. She's shown the most talent. She's got one of the best jockeys in Australia on, and she's presented by a stable who know what they're doing. I think she'll be just be winning race
0: number three. I really hope that she does, and I hope she can go on with it as well because she's just so beautifully bred by Frankel out of Samantha Miss. Of course, she was a an absolute superstar, um, Philly back in her day, but she's had, she's thrown four runners so far. One of them was Miss Fabulas, who's also, a, um, it's a full, full sister to this mayor called D um, uh, by Frankel. And she's won the one from, uh, she's won the two from 16. And then you've got uh, the half, half siblings, both by Medaglia Doro in Geo, who's, um, another one that doesn't go all that well and Sammy the other one who Sammy goes around as a $50 shot in the last race at Eagle Farm on Saturday so did our um, mate KO buy her yes a good friend of the, of of ours Kobe O'Brien he um he bought Sammy used to used to race in those uh in the Joey Harvey colors but uh up there in the famous pink and navy now so good luck to them on Saturday afternoon but that's where we're actually going to go. I'm not tipping the horse, but we're going to go to the last race at Eagle Farm for my best of the afternoon, and we're we're going to take Sammy on. We could have had the uh, the Samantha Miss double um, called the into, into Sammy. We might have to now just for just for the sake of it. But gee, speaking of horses that haven't haven't set the world on fire, um, Comrade Rose, It's race nine, horse number sixteen at Eagle Farm, uh, mate. This mare she's having a second start for Tony Gollan now. She had 13 starts in her career, two wins, two seconds, two thirds. Um promised promised a fair bit. We've seen her run good races around Heresy, Espiona, um, Zapateo, more recently Gundy Bridge, who who um he'll be getting spoken about over the autumn, I would suggest, um, and into the winter. But mate, this horse, you spotted her at the trials um back in September and you said you just want to be with her. Gee, she's been so disappointing, hasn't she? This prep, but she's ready to win.
1: I think my direct quote on the morning line was: "No matter where she goes, don't worry about it. Just load the ammunition, aim, and fire."
0: <laughs> I'm out of bullets, <laughs> <laughs> and that was when she got beat three and a half lengths by Audet and Julian Rock. So, how's that for four lines? But, mate. As much as we laugh and we joke, Tony Golan, he's he's got so many mentions on this podcast already, but getting these horses firing, um, and almost a second wind. We've seen Chrome, we've seen Baller, Jonka, there's been so many of them um in recent in recent years. But I think Comrade Rose is another one. She's lightly raced, she's still got plenty of upside. In her first start for the stable, she ran second at Ipswich. And while you might go in a class two at Ipswich, going to a benchmark 72 on a Saturday at Eagle Farm, it's a big step up. She ran the, the fastest last 200 metres of the entire meeting that day against the pattern. It was a really leaders-biased track that Ned's gully won. Um, she drops three and a half kilos from that effort. Uh, unfortunately, Ned's gully he, he's um he's going to be scratched from that race. He is going around today at Ipswich um, in... 19 minutes time from when this goes to air, so well fr- from us recording, so it he, he will have been run in one. So you can go back and w- look at the results from race four at Ipswich on Thursday to see if the form got franked. But I think Comrade Rosa, it's it's D Day for her. Otherwise, um, yeah, she could be she could be on English on English Digital, mate, going around at um, Cairns or Townsville if she doesn't doesn't show up.
1: Yeah, no, she um, I don't think she'll be going on English Digital. I think they'll be breeding with her. But um, I agree. She, she's she got so much talent, so much ability. I'm not too sure what happened there in Sydney. But with all the respect, they're probably two of my favourite trainers, John O'Shea and TJ Golan. If, if John O'Shea can't get her going and then TJ can't, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say she's ready to be retired. But, um, yeah. but you're right, Tony just does an outstanding job with these tried horses. And the crazy thing is that first and second up, record with him it's almost like he has a point to prove and say this is how good i am you give me your horses and i'll get them to win now yeah so um and if it, it was good at ipswich against the bias but and ryan baloney sticking um mm. geez,
0: there's not too many two not many bigger combinations you want to be staying with yep i think i might send myself to tony gollan um that's how good he's going at the moment and uh improve a few lengths but uh mate that's it from us so we've got uh, Cool diet uh, on the Kenzo on Friday. Comrade Rosa in the last at Eagle Farm on Saturday. That's our best bets for the weekend. Anything to leave the punters with, mate. No, that's perfect. Best of luck, everyone, on the punt. Thanks, punters.